The biggest sports stories of the week. So when I get my hair cut, they wax my ears, they wax my nose, okay, and they wax my eyebrows every time I get my hair cut. Okay. I literally have one eyebrow, and I've had people trip over my nose hairs. Okay. It's embarrassing yeah. when someone trips over your nose hair. Yeah, that's that's not, cool. not cool. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. Then he, he said, I don't want to be a bum. He doesn't want to be playing and not be good anymore. And I I think that is a legitimate concern for him, and I think this for is for Rodgers. For the MVP so, of the NFL again this year? Right. Is he really going to I think Aaron Rodgers should be in the uh, conversation as well for executive of the year. <laughs> Plus some fun with pop culture. Now, that might be is the round, the quarterfinals. That's the metal no, round. No, Wait, can we, do we get Matt, get, call Matt Hamilton right now, because we got to find out. This is Sunday Karma. Well, all I can tell you is I picked way better than you throughout this, Ben. So you got lucky that I have a life and I couldn't get my picks in a few times because I clearly picked way better than you. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City. The whole, uh, you know, Harper is the co-host. She hasn't been here in a year. She doesn't deserve that uh, love. She should get bumped. Here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. It's New Year's Day, and they're still alive. Good morning, everybody across the state of Wisconsin. Welcome into Sunday Karma. I am not Craig Karmazin. My name is Brian D., your cousin's sub of the day on this New Year's Day. Coming to you live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay, Wisconsin, ahead of a huge football game between the Packers and the Vikings. Their playoff hopes still remarkably alive and we'll see if they can push it to week 18 today with an unlikely shot at the postseason still hanging in the balance today. Kyle Wallace is in his normal chair back in Milwaukee in the group of law offices. Want to call That's All Studios. What's up, Kyle? Nothing much. Happy New Year, Brian D. And like you said, the Packers are still alive and still giving me this hope that I do not want to have, Brian. Yeah, so so just to reset things, Kyle, for our fans in terms of what needs to happen for the Packers to get into the postseason, they obviously got to win their last two games. It starts with that. They got to beat the Vikings today at Lambeau. They got to beat the Lions next week uh, at Lambeau as well. And then they need one of these two things to happen. They either need one commander's loss, and the commanders play the Browns today at home, or they need two New York Giants losses, and the Giants play the Colts today. So all of that needs to happen, and if it does, even though this Packers team was 4-8 and eight a month ago and they've struggled all season long, they would find themselves playing on Super Wild Card Weekend. So uh, we'll get into your thoughts. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. Uh, about today's game, and I'm curious how folks and fans across the state are feeling about today's game. Do you think they're actually going to pull this off and survive to week 18? And that's a win in and of itself. Like, to get to the final week of the season with your playoff hopes alive, when you were 4-8 and eight a month ago, would be a gigantic victory. Because we would all be able to scoreboard watch next week, right? We'd all go into that Lions game going, okay, we got to win, but we also have to keep our eyes on what the Giants are doing and what the Commanders are doing. It would be tremendous drama, so that would be a huge win for all of us if the Packers can just get through today. That is a huge challenge in and of itself. 
and it's 2023 now this morning. So, Kyle, I figured we would start with the biggest story of the Packers week today, and that big story wears number 23, ironically enough. That is star cornerback Jair Alexander. Now, Jair is um, confident, cocky, some might say, and I think you have to be a little bit of that to play cornerback in the National Football League. You wouldn't be any good if you didn't have that ego in the first place because it's a difficult position to play and it's only gotten more difficult with the rules that the NFL has put in place about pass interference. It's just hard to defend the way the game has changed, right? It's a passing league now and guys like Jair and guys like Jalen Ramsey, they're loud and rambunctious because they need to have that ego to pump themselves up to be able to even have a chance against some of these top wide receivers. But there's a thin line to tiptoe there And I think Jair Alexander might have crossed it this week. If you missed this, on Thursday of this week, as the Packers were getting ready for this Vikings game today, Jair Alexander spoke to the media in the locker room. And he was asked about Justin Jefferson, the leading wide receiver in the National Football League for the Minnesota Vikings. He's burst onto the scene since being drafted in 2020. And he had a monster game in week one in Minneapolis when the Vikings took down the Packers 23-7. Nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns in that victory. The Packers secondary got absolutely chewed up, and Jair Alexander was a part of that. But Jair decided to say on Thursday of this week, with Justin Jefferson coming into Lambeau today, quote, You've got to be real. He don't jump in no super suit and get dressed and jump outside, you hear me? I don't either sometimes, but he's human, is what I'm saying. We ain't putting too much on nobody. He's a really good receiver, but at the end of the day, I'm a really good corner. We've got really good corners. We've got really good linebackers, D-line, whatever it is. You don't want to put too much focus on that one person because it's like the first game, that was a fluke. Okay, Kyle, all of that I think was fine until you say the first game was a fluke. Because when you cross that line and call something a fluke, A, you're just wrong. Like, Justin Jefferson's the leading receiver in the NFL. He does that to everybody, not just you. That was not a fluke. That's just who Justin Jefferson is. So that's number one. It was just wrong. And then the second thing is, you don't want to give the leading receiver in the National Football League more incentive to chew you up today in a game with your playoff hopes on the line. What are you poking the bear for, Jair? Now, maybe it's boosting himself up and boosting his teammates up and trying to build the confidence, but I can't for the life of me, Kyle Wallace, figure out why. Why? Ahead of the biggest game of the season, Jair Alexander decided to pull the fluke card on the leading receiver in the National Football League. Help me understand this. Why is he doing this? Why is he poking the bear ahead of a gigantic game for the Packers? I don't think it was a fluke. I think it was a schematic failure of Coach Mm -hmm. Barry in week one. So maybe Jair saying maybe this time around he's going to follow him a little bit more instead of him basically chewing up us in a zone and finding open windows and destroying the defense of the Green Bay Packers. So maybe that's what Jair was trying to say. Instead of throwing his defensive coordinator under the bus, maybe he used Mm -hmm. the word fluke because he didn't want to make Joe Barry feel bad for his failures of week one of preparing for the best receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. And so maybe this week as they have a better plan for Justin Jefferson. So I ain't mad at the confidence. I'm really not. I think Jair Alexander knows something that we don't know, Brian. 
Okay, so here's my problem with that, and that's all fine and well, Kyle, and I think it's a reasonable explanation. Here's my problem. It, it, this has been happening all season long to the Packers secondary against top wide receivers, right? It wasn't just Justin Jefferson with that 9 for 184 and two tuds in week one. Let me run down the Packers' defensive performances all right, against some of the top wide receivers. Let's, let's hear what this You're great ready? defensive backcourt that Jair thinks he works with is, uh, it has yes. gotten lit up for this year. All right, so Terry McLaurin, scary Terry McLaurin in that game in D.C., Landover, Maryland against the Commanders, a loss that we all expected to be a win. Terry McLaurin, five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And, man, he made some catches one-on-one against Jair in that game and made him look bad. Like, I think the touchdown was against Jair Yeah, that was a nasty one. That that was good. That was good. Yeah, he mossed him. And then there was a late uh, first down that kind of clinched the game at the end that Terry McLaurin just kind of went up and snagged it from him. So... Uh, that was bad. Five for 73 and a touchdown against the Commanders. Stefan Diggs, that Sunday night game in Buffalo, six catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Nicely done, Jair and the Packers secondary. Um, CeeDee Lamb, we all forget about this performance because the Packers miraculously came back and won that game at Lambeau against the Dallas Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb had 11 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns in that game. And we kind of glance over it because that was the Christian Watson coming out party where he scored three and Mike McCarthy takes the loss and that kind of spun things for a moment of of positivity in the middle of the season for the Packers. But 11 for 150 and two tuds was a monster performance. Uh, Let's keep moving here. And I don't want to call this guy a star wide receiver in the NFL, but he had a star night here at Lambeau. Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans helped make Ryan Tannehill look like an all-pro. Seven catches for 111 yards in that game when the Titans came in here and beat the Packers. And then let's go to last week, Kyle. Uh, And I get it. The Packers came up with three interceptions in the second half. Jair Alexander had one of those interceptions. We now know that those three interceptions came from a quarterback that was playing concussed for the entire second half. So take that for what it's worth. But Jalen Waddell last week, Five catches for 143 yards and a long touchdown that made Jair Alexander look foolish trying to tackle him. And then Tyreek Hill, four catches for 103 yards in that game. That's my problem. If if week one's a fluke, then what are all those? That's my question for Jair Alexander. If you're going to call Justin Jefferson's huge performance in week one a fluke, then was Terry McLaurin a fluke? Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Traylon Burks, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill... Maybe your secondary is just not that good. Wait a knows? minute, Maybe Brian D. Wait a minute. I'm not going to let okay. you come here yeah. on the new. I'm not going to let you start 2023 being disrespectful to the Green Bay Packers. I can't let you do it's it. It's not disrespect. What? It's fact. I, I, all, I, all I'm going to say is this. is I don't think Jair saying that Justin Jefferson is not going to get money today. I think Justin's going to get those numbers. But 184 and was it two touchdowns and seven catches? That's ridiculous yak that he had nine. that game. Uh, oh, nine. Whoa, whoa. That's a lot of fantasy points that he put up. And so I think Jair uh-huh. said the 184 is a fluke. Like 6 and 110 today, maybe a touchdown. That's probably like, yeah, that makes sense. But 184, he destroyed the Packers week one. So, so again, I, I'm going to defend the Packers, and I'm not going to say that they're not going to stop Justin Jefferson today. They're just going to make him look human today. Because remember, he said he's but, human when he wakes up. He's not superhuman. Again, and that week one, he was superhuman. Again, Kyle, though. 
He's the leading receiver in the NFL. This isn't a Packers problem as much as it is an everyone problem against Justin Jefferson, right? So if you're going to call that game a fluke, you have to call every game Justin Jefferson plays a fluke. He's been held under 100 yards one, two, three, four, five times this season, and one of those was a 98-yard performance. Let me look at some of these numbers. 133. Last week against the Giants, 123, 223 yards against the Lions. Like, he does this every single week to every single defense that he plays. So, I just, I don't know why Jair felt the need to poke the bear, to poke the one thing that can hurt you the most if you're the Green Bay Packers today. There was no reason to do that on Thursday of this week ahead of the biggest game of the season. Let's get this up on Twitter, Kyle, at ESPN Milwaukee, at ESPN Madison uh, as well. Are you okay with what Jair said this week, with calling Justin Jefferson's week one performance a fluke? I think it was totally out of bounds and unnecessary because you never want to give your opponent more of a reason to try and kick your you-know-what on your home field. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. We'll talk with Jason Wildy about Jair's comments uh, coming up in just about 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, here on Sunday, Karma, an X factor in today's football game. Who could be the difference in the Packers keeping their playoff hopes alive and their season ending at about 6.30 tonight? We'll get into that coming up next. It's Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. On ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Why did Jair poke the bear? Welcome back into Sunday Karma. Brian D. in for Craig Karmazin as your cousin's sub of the day. Live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Head of Packers, Vikings, coming up at 325 this afternoon. Our pregame coverage on the Tundra Trio Radio Network starts at noon. Greg Matzik, Gary Ellerson, and Jason will be taking you right up until kickoff. If you're just joining us, Jair Alexander, the Packers star cornerback, second in the league in interceptions this year with five. He made an interesting statement, a declaration on Thursday in the Packers locker room saying that Justin Jefferson's week one performance against the Packers, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, called it a fluke. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with the confidence as a Packers fan or do you feel as though like I do, he poked the bear? unnecessarily ahead of the Packers' biggest game of the season today against the Vikings. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. You can tweet at us at ESPN Milwaukee, at ESPN Madison. That's where we've got our Twitter poll up. So, Kyle, there's been a lot of talk this week, and rightfully so, about the receivers in this football game. Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. Christian Watson for the Packers left last week's game on Christmas. Um with a hip injury, and we'll get an update on his status from Jason Wildey in just a couple of minutes here. He's questionable for today's game. 
But a lot of talk about receivers because these teams like to throw the football. The X factor for today's game, though, I think is in the running game for the Minnesota Vikings and for the running defense for the Green Bay Packers because the Vikings this year have had a philosophical shift within their organization with a new head coach, obviously with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins having a career year. This team likes to throw the football. They have philosophically shifted from what once was a run to set up the pass offense to the other way around. It's the exact 180 now. They pass to try to set up the run. And back in week one, Dalvin Cook, the star running back for the Minnesota Vikings, had 20 carries for 90 yards, which is a great game, but we've seen him do much worse to the Green Bay Packers in the past. There is a gigantic opportunity today, I think, if the Vikings want to, and I don't know if they will, and this is a huge question mark today, and this could favor the Packers. Um, there's a huge opening for them to run the football. The Packers struggle stopping the run. They've struggled all season long. Uh, I don't exactly know why the Miami Dolphins deviated from that last week on Christmas because Raheem Mostert was gashing them at certain points in the first half. But the Packers have struggled against the run. They're 27th in the league in rushing yards per game against. So this is going to be really interesting today. If the Minnesota Vikings can put their ego aside and just run the football, if they do... I think the Packers are going to struggle to stop them today because it'll open things up for that passing game and for Justin Jefferson. But the Vikings are full of themselves right now. They're feeling themselves, and I think they should be to a certain extent, right? Like, when you are having the type of season that the Vikings are having where it seems like you've got 15 lives, you're winning these one-possession close games miraculously, you have the greatest comeback in NFL history, you're making game-winning field goals week after week after week. They're, they're full of themselves, and they're full of confidence, and it might blind them from potentially just doing the right thing today for them to win the game, which would be to turn around and hand the ball to Dalvin Cook and let him gash the Green Bay Packers' 27th-ranked rush defense in the league. I think their ego might get in the way of doing that, and I think that might favor the Packers because I think the Packers are going to be so focused on trying to slow down Justin Jefferson and this Packers attack that they might actually have some success if Kirk Cousins tries to air it out today. Kyle, where do you kind of see that falling? Because I think that could be the X factor in today's game. Do the Vikings have the humility in this miraculous season to just put their damn ego aside and run the football against what's been a run defense in Green Bay that's been gashed all season long? In week 17, you don't change what has gotten to gotten you to where you are, Brian D. They're not going to change their game plan just because the Packers have the 27th, as you said, ranked rush defense in the NFL. They're going to continue to try to throw that ball around versus trying to pound the ball on the ground with one of the top running backs in the NFL with Dalvin Cook. So no, I don't see them changing it up whatsoever because of the fact that they've won these 12 games and most of them been by like one score this year. So no, I don't see any difference here, Brian D. It's going to be fascinating because, you know, Dalvin Cook is, like you said, still one of the premier weapons on the ground in the NFL. He's, I would say, a top five running back in the NFL. He's only got two 100-plus uh, yard performances this year. Once against the Arizona Cardinals on October 30th and once against the Buffalo Bills in an overtime game on November the 13th. Every other game has been under 100 yards, and he's touching it a lot, Kyle. He's only got one game this season with less than 10 touches. Uh, so 
they're just like not focusing on running the football as much as they have in years past. Like I said, this has been a philosophical shift for the Minnesota Vikings. And if they want to win today and, and kind of put the Green Bay Packers to bed, because quite frankly, I don't think anybody wants to see it elsewhere in the NFC. Like obviously Green Bay, uh, we want to see the Packers get into the playoffs. Packers fans obviously across the state of Wisconsin want to see it. I don't think anybody else in the NFC wants to see the Green Bay Packers get in because they know Aaron Rodgers can just wreck your day. And the one time the Packers found success getting to the Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers, it was a similar situation as this, where they backed in the last couple of weeks of the season with some miraculous victories and became road warriors, oh. right? And, and got through those three games to the Super Bowl. So Somebody I, else I, said I, this, Brian. I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Aaron okay. Rodgers ain't the same Aaron Rodgers he was that year. The defense is not showing any bright stops that it did that year. Th- this is not the same thing. If anybody's fearing the Green Bay Packers going into the playoffs who are a playoff team and a team that thinks they're going to win the title, they don't deserve to be a championship team. I've seen this team get torched. Over and over again, whether through the air, as we talked about Justin Jefferson, or on the ground, if we talk about Philly rushing for, was it 300 yards? Was it 300? Yeah. Yeah, 300 yeah, yards. This, listen, and Aaron, I watched Aaron Rodgers last week, and he looked like a above-average quarterback last week. He did not look like a top-five elite quarterback last week. If any playoff team is worried about the Green Bay Packers, they ain't going nowhere fast. All right, let's. I'm curious about that too. Let's get that up on Twitter as well at ESPN Milwaukee and at ESPN Madison. Do you think other teams in the NFC fear the Packers if they were to get into the playoffs? I, I think you you never want to go up against Aaron Rodgers because the first round game, Kyle, that wild card weekend game, if the Packers were to get in. It would be against most likely San Francisco, which has been a house of horrors for the Green Bay Packers out there uh, at that Levi Stadium. So it would be San Francisco or it would be Minnesota. Those are your two options for Wild Card Weekend. So I don't think San Francisco would fear them as much, but still, look at the position San Francisco's in. They're starting Mr. Irrelevance at quarterback. Uh, you can say all you want. San Francisco's really good. They're fast. Their defense is awesome. They've got great weapons. Christian McCaffrey's been an awesome addition for them. But still, that first-round playoff game would be Brock Purdy against Aaron freaking Rodgers, right? Like, there's got to be some semblance of fear if you're a Niners fan at the perspective of that matchup. I do think other teams around the NFL would fear the Packers getting in. We lost Especially to Taylor Heineke. The Heineke, Heineke, Heineke. I don't know what it is, but we lost to Taylor. Trust me. Tyler, trust me. Taylor, Nobody's, H. Nobody's been more critical of the Packers this year than me. Nobody. But I don't think the Vikings would want to see the Packers for a third time on Wild Card Weekend. And I don't think Brock Purdy... Like, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Taylor Heineke or Aaron Rodgers in that first game? Because those are your perspective options, right? If the Packers get in, they're going to de-seat either the Commanders or the Giants. So if you're the Vikings or the Niners, would you rather go up against Aaron Rodgers in your first game or Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones in your first game? That's I'm tr- taking the Commanders and Giants every single time. That's every true. Every time. That's I true. I think other teams in the NFC would be not scared bleepless of the Packers getting in, but at least it it puts some hesitation and go, oh, no, 
we we actually have to put up a good fight and a good battle on Wild Card Weekend against one of the hotter teams in the NFL. We're going to ask Jason Wildy about this and a bunch of other things about today's game against the Vikings. Jason Wildy joins us next on Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wildy is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Brian D. in for Craig Karmazin as your cousin's sub of the day on Sunday. Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. Coming to you live from the Tundra Trio in the shadow of Lambeau Field ahead of today's massive game between the Packers and the Vikings at 325. And joining us now, man that'll be in the press box of that game and a man that'll be here at the trio for Green Bay game day pregame with Greg Madsen and Gary Ellerson in nah, a couple hours here. He's our Packers reporter. He's Jason Wildy. Good morning, Jason. Happy New Year. Good morning, Brian. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you very much. So Kyle and I just got into it a little bit, Jason, in our last segment. Kyle Wallace, our producer, Uh-oh. because we got into a, a little bit of a heated discussion about whether or not other teams in the NFC would be fearful of the Green Bay Packers if they were to sneak into the playoffs by winning these last two games and getting the other results they need from the Commanders and from the Giants. What say you? Do you think other teams, the Niners, the Vikings, those would probably be the the teams they'd play on wildcard weekend. Do you think they'd be hesitant, fearful of the Packers sneaking into the playoffs? First of all, I have a hard time imagining Kyle getting heated about this. Did you, did, did you really get heated, Kyle? No, I didn't, I didn't get heated. I was just a little passionate about the fact that the Packers aren't really scaring many teams. But I didn't get heated. Brian D's just throwing that out there. Okay, well, I, there's I, a little heat. I think I think scary or uh, I I don't think they're scared. First of all, I don't you know I don't think teams think that way. But what I would say is this: I think they'd much rather play the Washington Commanders who don't know who their quarterback is right now. They've gone back to Carson Wentz. I think they'd much rather play Daniel Jones because here's the thing. When you face Aaron Rodgers, and, and look, there's no doubt that this season, for whatever reason folks want to use, right, he, his injuries, he simply hasn't played well, not being on the same page with young receivers, not running the offense, just simply, you know, in a, in a, in a manner that they don't have to – no signals or nobody's thinking. Whatever reason, he, they have not been statistically very good in a passing game. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a 300-yard passing game this season. He's had three games out of 15 where he's had a passer rating for that day over 100. So you'll get no argument from me that he has not played well for all those reasons. But you know what he's capable of. You saw the throw he made to Mercedes Lewis down the sideline last week. You don't want any part of a guy that can play like that in a win-or-go-home scenario. So for that reason, I do believe that they don't want the Packers in the playoffs because they don't want to face a four-time NFL MVP 
who on that given Sunday or Saturday or whenever they would end up playing their game, he could play like that. I understand he yeah. hasn't played like that very often this season, but to me, that's the reason you want no part of him. And, and that's why I saw Tom Pelissero this morning on the NFL Network say the Vikings are extremely motivated to put this to bed and keep the Packers out of the playoffs. And I used this example throughout the week on all of our different ESPN Wisconsin shows, but it bears repeating that Lovey Smith and the Chicago Bears came into Lambeau Field on the last day of 2010, and Lovey Smith, who, by the way, look at the record Lovey Smith had at, in Chicago, and then look at all the other coaches they've had. Uh, he kind of knew what he was doing. He said, look, we're playing all our guys. They had nothing to play for that day. They couldn't change their spot in the playoff uh, seedings, and yet they played all their guys the entire game, try and beat the Packers and keep them out of the playoffs. And they failed, Mm -hmm. but they tried. And, of course, what happened in the NFC Championship game, the Packers came into Soldier Field, the team they didn't want in the playoffs, the team that had to win three road games in a row to get to the Super Bowl and beat them and went to the Super Bowl. So, Jason, those points are super well taken, and I agree with you. That was that was the side of the argument I took with Kyle. And, well, I guess not an argument, but um, you, you talk about Minnesota's motivation. <laughs> heated to heated just... discussion. <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll phrase it that way. Um, you talk about Minnesota's motivation to just put it to bed today, right? Um, we started the show talking about Jair Alexander's comments on Thursday, directed toward Justin Jefferson, or at least about Justin Jefferson, calling that week one performance, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, a fluke. Why? Why poke the bear? Why give the best receiver in the NFL even more motivation in a game that you just said they're immensely motivated for anyway? Yeah, I I don't know. You know, he was, you know, he's, he's got bravado, he's got confidence, uh, he's got five interceptions now this season. Um, he's feeling good. And, I, look, again, I would agree with you. Like, why soak the fire any more than you need to? But he, I don't know if he couldn't help himself. And, he look, he was fine until that sentence. He knew he was saying what he was saying. But before that, he had said, you know, that that Justin Jefferson's in his top three and that he's behind his old teammate, Devontae Adams. But he, all he, he praised him, talked about what a, all the good things he does and everything else, and then he just had to include that. And it was interesting, you know, Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com, uh, Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, Bill Huber from Sports Illustrated, and I, we kind of talked about it after we walked away from the table where he was talking. And, you know, part of me was like, you know, it's one sentence out of a seven-minute conversation, but it's also not my job to decide, well, he didn't really mean that. So we all kind of decide, look, we have to include it in our stories. And I thought, frankly, that we all kind of took an approach of, you know, well, let's not, let's not just make the first sentence Jair Alexander thinks Justin Jefferson's first performance was a fluke. But we all included the quote, and of course it took its natural course, and and everybody kind of knows where it's gone from there. 
Yep, absolutely. Jason Wildey with us here on Sunday. Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. Brian D. in for Craig Karmazin. Live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay as your cousin's sub of the day. Jason, the other thing I'm fascinated to watch inside Lambeau today during the game is the ego, not of Jair Alexander, but of the Minnesota Vikings and their play calling. Because in the past, I feel like they've been a run-to-set-up-the-pass kind of team. And it seems to me that's flip-flop this year, where they're trying to pass. They're trying to air it out. They're trying to play 2023 NFL football, and they have the personnel to do that. But it seems to me like the door is open against the Packers to just turn the ball around and hand it to Dalvin Cook and let him eat. Do you think they'll be able to put their ego aside, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and just run the damn ball today? Or do you think they're going to try to stick to their guns and air it out? Well, I I think it's important to note that the Packers' defense is statistically misleading, right? Like, I understand that they had interceptions on each of Tua's last three drives last week, and then what did we learn? Obviously, we learned that he had suffered some sort of concussion. Whether or not that was affecting his play then or the symptoms came back came in later, that didn't really impact how he played Um he did not play well. A couple of those interceptions he threw right to guys, right? So I understand that they came up with the plays that they needed to come up with in that game. But there's this weird thing about their statistics. So in the passing in passing uh, yardage per game, they're third fewest in the league at 192.4 per game. And that would lead you to think, oh, they're, they're, they're good. They're good against the pass. Per play, and this would indicate that they've given up, A, a lot of big plays, and B, that when you run the ball effectively, like teams have against the 27th slash 29th ranked run defense, that you don't throw as frequently. Um, They're 27th in passing yards allowed per play. So they're not really that good of a pass defense. And so to me, when I look at what what Kevin O'Connell's game plan should be today, I think it should be balanced. I mean, you've got Justin Jefferson. You've got T.J. Uh, Hawkinson now as part of your mix, right? I mean, I think you want to be balanced. And while we tease Matt LaFleur for so frequently getting out of balance, um, I'm not sure that the Vikings need to lean one way or the other. It's also, I don't know, 36 degrees here. You're over on the other side of town. Like, the the, the temperatures are not such – and the wind is not such that you would think you can't throw the football today. So mm-hmm. I would anticipate a pretty balanced attack from the Vikings. And again, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins defender by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, they are they are pretty good as a passing offense and he has played quite well this season. And they're not playing at night, so he should play well today. The noon kickoff and the 325 are always favors Kirk over the primetime game. Jason, a couple of Packers players with questionables next to their names on this week's injury report. I want to ask you about a couple of those guys coming up on the other side. This is Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. I said 
18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Brian Dean for Craig Karmazin as your cousin sub of the day here on Sunday. Karma live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay. Rolling on with Jason Wildy. Jason, a couple of impactful players on the injury report for the Packers this week. I think most notably is Christian Watson. He left last weekend's game uh, on Christmas, I think at like halftime. I don't know if he played in the second half at all with a hip injury. When did that happen? How did that happen? All I really saw about it was him kind of, you know, I, I read his lips on the sideline on the TV broadcast. Somebody seemed to ask him like, hey, are you okay? And he said, nah, I'm done. Um, what's your insight into what happened with his hip? Yeah, he took a pretty hard hit. There was a fourth down catch that he had. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. Um, and, yeah, you, you read his lips correctly. He didn't think he could continue. Now, he didn't really do anything meaningful in practice all week. Uh, they listed him as limited uh, on Friday, but he didn't really do much. Um, and they said they're basically going to give him until kickoff or until the 90 minutes before kickoff when they're – um, inactive list has to be in, but I mean, they were propping him up, talking about how smart he is, which I don't doubt that, but he's still a rookie and we saw him struggle and we've seen rookies struggle when they have full weeks of practice. And now he's not going to practice at all this week. And yet they're hopeful that he can play and he's going to be on the same page with the sometimes demanding quarterback. So I'm I'm interested to see how that goes if in fact he's cleared and and again, you know he has been such a difference maker for their offense. Like it is just a completely different dynamic when he's on the field. But if he's not 100, percent I'm not sure what percentage he has to be for it to be worth it. But uh, that will be what we'll be watching during Green Bay game day pregame. Uh, at about 155 when that injury, uh, when that inactive list will come out. Jason, what about Aaron Jones? It feels like early in the season we were asking the question, where is Aaron Jones and why isn't he touching the ball more for like football reasons? And now we're starting to realize his, his ankles may be a little bit more banged up than we realized. Uh, what's the extent of the pain he's been playing through with that ankle injury? Because it seems like it's been less of him and more of A.J. Dillon of late. Yeah, I think... Uh, that criticism early in the season was fair. Uh, sure. I think Matt LaFleur would even acknowledge that it was fair. But I saw folks getting frustrated uh, on social media last week. You know, Aaron Jones has six touches. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that now. And that obviously is not because play caller Matt LaFleur has forgotten that he has Aaron Jones. It's been, it's a legitimate issue. Uh, they are trying to find ways to get him on the field in crucial moments while not having him on the field constantly in hopes of getting the best from him. And, and of course, that's a really tough balancing act. It was one of the things we talked about with the coaches throughout the week because you never know what play is going to be the play that he breaks a big play on. And so you want him out there a lot more. And, you know, they're, they're trying to get him through these two weeks and get the best of him while not overusing him. And, and, you know, yesterday they called up Tyler Goodson, their practice squad 
uh, number four running back. They've already got their number three running back and Patrick Taylor up on the 53. So they clearly feel like they have to manage this uh, for these last two games. So I, look, Aaron Jones, I respect the heck out of him. You know, I think there's, there's probably some Packers fans who are looking at what he's doing and then looking at the uncertainty of Christian Watson playing and wondering what the, what the dis- discrepancy is there. But um, that he will play today. They took him off the injury report, but that does not mean he's, uh, he's healthy because he definitely is not. What about Keyshawn Nixon, Jason? I've facetiously said I'm ready to put him in the Packers Hall of Fame because he's just doing something that no Packers done in what feels like forever, and that's actually being productive in the return game. How's he feeling going into this game? Yeah, that is another major concern. I mean, maybe we don't put it quite as high as the availability of Christian Watson because obviously the kick returner only touches the ball a handful of times uh, in the game. But Keyshawn Nixon is also their nickel corner. So he comes in as their fifth defensive back. Um, you know, he, the, the issue with him, and I would think the concern with him would be he went into the Miami game on the injury report during the week with a groin injury and then came out of the game because of a groin injury. So it was obviously an aggravation of a previous injury. And that, to me, is always concerning because then is it really going to have healed after you re-injured it during the course of the game and couldn't keep playing? Um, uh, you know, he is explosive. Uh, I mean, he's got four kickoff returns of over 50 yards, most in the league. He had a 93-yarder last week. Um, that was not, I mean, it would have been, if you're a Packers fan, it would have been nice for him to get to the end zone. They haven't had a touchdown kickoff return since Randall Cobb was a rookie in 2011, and now he's possibly going to retire after the season. So that tells you how long it's been. Um, but again, like it seems to me to be a game where you want to have all hands on deck, no doubt about it. And I'm sure Keyshawn Nixon is going to lobby to play. My question would be, is he quite as, as explosive under those circumstances where he can't open it up like he would if he was fully healthy? All right, last thing for you, Jason and Jason Wildey joins us here live on Sunday. Karma from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay. What do you think is the likelier outcome that Packers fans should be rooting for the last two weeks of the season? Obviously, everybody's going to be pulling for the Packers to win, but is it the Commanders losing one or the Giants losing two? The Commanders and the Giants both playing at noon today, Washington hosting the Browns and the Giants hosting the Colts. Yeah, I think you're going to be hoping that Mike McCarthy uh, plays all of his guys in Week 18 because they play the Commanders. And I don't think the Giants are going to lose to the fighting Jeff Saturdays today. And I don't think uh, the commanders are going to lose to that Browns team. And so then we go into next week in a scenario where they're going to still need help. Now, what would be interesting would be if the Packers won and the commanders lost today, because then I think, and people who have been using the uh, playoff predictor more than I have been can correct me on this, but, if Detroit also wins today, I think that would set up Packers versus Lions with the winner going to the playoffs. So mm-hmm. like a de facto playoff game next week, which that's what I'm rooting for. I think that would be fun. Uh, yeah. But again, uh, we'll have to wait and see what the – I just don't – I'll be surprised if the commanders lose this one. And then, you know, if you're Mike McCarthy, 
you know, you guys will take this conversation full circle. If you're Mike McCarthy, do you play all your guys to win that game, even if you don't have anything technically to play for in your own playoff positioning? Or do you say, you know what? We don't play our guys. Washington beats us. Doesn't affect our playoff status at all, but it keeps the Packers out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting, especially for the old ball coach who, while he says he's on good terms with the quarterback, probably still isn't on the greatest of terms with the guy who fired him, the team president. Yeah, and uh, you know, especially the way that first game between those two teams went, I still think there's some uh, hesitation about how that result would go if they had to meet in the postseason. Yeah. The one thing, Jason, I'm rooting for is just let's let's get to next week with the hopes alive because then the NFL is going to schedule these games together and it's just going to be mass scoreboard watching for four hours. It's going to be epic regardless of how it turns out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm rooting for it to be a primetime game so it doesn't impact any sort of uh, sixth-grade basketball or anything like that. That's really I'm, all I'm rooting for. Media starts with me. Jason, thank you so much for the time. We'll see you over here at the Trio in a couple hours. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Take care. Be good. That is Jason Wilde, our Packers reporter. You know where to find him. He's everywhere. Wilde and Taos, Green Bay game day pre and post every ESPN Wisconsin show. He's coming up on Green Bay game day pregame a little after 12 o'clock. 7 at 11, and the start of Hour 2 of Sunday Karma is next across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Okay. And they wax my eyebrows every time I get my hair cut. Okay. I literally have one eyebrow, and I've had people trip over my nose hairs. Okay. It's embarrassing yeah. when someone trips over your nose hair. Yeah, that's that's not, cool. not cool. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. Then he, he said, I don't want to be a bum. He doesn't want to be playing and not be good anymore. And I I think that is a legitimate concern for him, and I think this uh-huh. is... For the MVP of the NFL again this year? I think Aaron Rodgers should be in the uh, conversation as well for executive of the year. (laughs) Plus some fun with pop culture. That might be is the round, the quarterfinals. That's the metal round. Wait, can we do we get Matt get call Matt Hamilton right now? Because we gotta find out. This is Sunday Karma. Well, all I can tell you is I picked way better than you throughout this, Ben. So you got lucky that I have a life and I couldn't get my picks in a few times because I clearly picked way better than you. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City. The whole, uh, you know, Harper is the co-host. She hasn't been here in a year. She doesn't deserve that uh, love. She should get bumped. Here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Karmason. Year's Day, and they're still alive. Good morning, everybody across the state of Wisconsin. Welcome into Sunday Karma. I am not Craig Karmazin. My name is Brian D., your cousin's sub of the day on this New Year's Day. Coming to you live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay, Wisconsin, ahead of a huge football game between the Packers and the Vikings. Their playoff hopes still remarkably alive and we'll see if they can push it to week 18 today with an unlikely shot at the postseason still hanging in the balance today. Kyle Wallace is in his normal chair back in Milwaukee in the group of law offices. Want to call that's all studios. What's up, Kyle? Nothing much. Happy New Year, Brian D. And like you said, the Packers are still alive and still giving me this hope that I do not want to have, Brian. 
Yeah. So, so just to reset things, Kyle, for our fans in terms of what needs to happen for the Packers to get into the postseason, they obviously got to win their last two games. It starts with that. They got to beat the Vikings today at Lambeau. They got to beat the Lions next week uh, at Lambeau as well. And then they need one of these two things to happen. They either need one commander's loss, and the commanders play the Browns today at home, or they need two New York Giants losses, and the Giants play the Colts today. So all of that needs to happen, and if it does, even though this Packers team was 4-8 and eight a month ago and they've struggled all season long, they would find themselves playing on Super Wild Card Weekend. So uh, we'll get into your thoughts. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in uh, about today's game. And I'm curious how folks and fans across the state are feeling about today's game. Do you think they're actually going to pull this off and survive to Week 18? And that's a win in and of itself. Like, to get to the final week of the season with your playoff hopes alive when you were 4-8 and eight a month ago would be a gigantic victory because we would all be able to scoreboard watch next week, right? We'd all go into that Lions game going, okay, we got to win, but we also have to keep our eyes on what the Giants are doing and what the Commanders are doing. It would be tremendous drama, so that would be a huge win for all of us if the Packers can just get through today. That is a huge challenge in and of itself. And it's 2023 now this morning. So, Kyle, I figured we would start with the biggest story of the Packers week today. And that big story, where's number 23, ironically enough? That is star cornerback Jair Alexander. Now, Jair is um, confident, cocky, some might say. And I think you have to be a little bit of that to play cornerback in the National Football League. You wouldn't be any good if you didn't have that ego in the first place because it's a difficult position to play and it's only gotten more difficult with the rules that the NFL has put in place about pass interference. It's just hard to defend the way the game has changed, right? It's a passing league now and guys like Jair and guys like Jalen Ramsey, they're loud and rambunctious because they need to have that ego to pump themselves up to be able to even have a chance against some of these top wide receivers. But there's a thin line to tiptoe there And I think Jair Alexander might have crossed it this week. If you missed this, on Thursday of this week, as the Packers were getting ready for this Vikings game today, Jair Alexander spoke to the media in the locker room. And he was asked about Justin Jefferson, the leading wide receiver in the National Football League for the Minnesota Vikings. He's burst onto the scene since being drafted in 2020. And he had a monster game in week one in Minneapolis when the Vikings took down the Packers 23-7. Nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns in that victory. The Packers secondary got absolutely chewed up, and Jair Alexander was a part of that. But Jair decided to say on Thursday of this week, with Justin Jefferson coming into Lambeau today, quote, You've got to be real. He don't jump in no super suit and get dressed and jump outside, you hear me? I don't either sometimes, but he's human, is what I'm saying. We ain't putting too much on nobody. He's a really good receiver, but at the end of the day, I'm a really good corner. We've got really good corners. We've got really good linebackers, D-line, whatever it is. You don't want to put too much focus on that one person because it's like the first game, that was a fluke. Okay, Kyle, all of that I think was fine until you say the first game was a fluke. Because when you cross that line and call something a fluke, A, you're just wrong. 
Like, Justin Jefferson's the leading receiver in the NFL. He does that to everybody, not just you. That was not a fluke. That's just who Justin Jefferson is. So that's number one. It was just wrong. And then the second thing is, you don't want to give the leading receiver in the National Football League more incentive to chew you up today in a game with your playoff hopes on the line. What are you poking the bear for, Jair? Now, maybe it's boosting himself up and boosting his teammates up and trying to build the confidence, but I can't for the life of me, Kyle Wallace, figure out why. Why? Ahead of the biggest game of the season, Jair Alexander decided to pull the fluke card on the leading receiver in the National Football League. Help me understand this. Why is he doing this? Why is he poking the bear ahead of a gigantic game for the Packers? I don't think it was a fluke. I think it was a schematic failure of Coach Mm. Barry in week one. So maybe Jair's saying maybe this time around he's going to follow him a little bit more instead of him basically chewing up us in a zone and finding open windows and destroying the defense of the Green Bay Packers. So maybe that's what Jair was trying to say. Instead of throwing his defensive coordinator under the bus, maybe he used Mm -hmm. the word fluke because he didn't want to make Joe Barry feel bad for his failures of week one of preparing for the best receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. And so maybe this week as they have a better plan for Justin Jefferson. So I ain't mad at the confidence. I'm really not. I think Jair Alexander knows something that we don't know, Brian. Okay, so here's my problem with that. And that's all fine and well, Kyle. And I think it's a reasonable explanation. Here's my problem. It, it, this has been happening all season long to the Packers secondary against top wide receivers, right? It wasn't just Justin Jefferson with that 9 for 184 and two tuds in week one. Let me run down the Packers' defensive performances all right, against let's, some of the top wide receivers. Let's, let's hear what this great defensive backcourt that Jair thinks he works with is, uh, it has yes. gotten lit up for this year. All right, so Terry McLaurin, scary Terry McLaurin in that game in D.C., Landover, Maryland against the Commanders, a loss that we all expected to be a win. Terry McLaurin, five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And, man, he made some catches one-on-one against Jair in that game and made him look bad. Like, I think the touchdown was against Jair Yeah, that was a nasty one. That that was good. That was good. Yeah, he mossed him. And then there was a late uh, first down that kind of clinched the game at the end that Terry McLaurin just kind of went up and snagged it from him. So... Uh, that was bad. 5 for 73 and a touchdown against the Commanders. Stefan Diggs, that Sunday night game in Buffalo, 6 catches, 108 yards and a touchdown. Nicely done, Jair and the Packers secondary. Um, CeeDee Lamb, we all forget about this performance because the Packers miraculously came back and won that game at Lambeau against the Dallas Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb had 11 catches for 150 yards and 2 touchdowns in that game. And we kind of glance over it because that was the Christian Watson coming out party where he scored three and Mike McCarthy takes the loss and that kind of spun things for a moment of of positivity in the middle of the season for the Packers. But 11 for 150 and two tuds was a monster performance. Uh, Let's keep moving here. And I don't want to call this guy a star wide receiver in the NFL, but he had a star night here at Lambeau. Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans helped make Ryan Tannehill look like an all-pro. Seven catches for 111 yards in that game when the Titans came in here and beat the Packers. And then let's go to last week, Kyle. Uh, And I get it. The Packers came up with three interceptions in the second half. Jair Alexander had one of those interceptions. We now know that those three interceptions came from a quarterback that was playing concussed for the entire second half. So take that for what it's worth. But Jalen Waddell last week, 
Five catches for 143 yards and a long touchdown that made Jair Alexander look foolish trying to tackle him. And then Tyreek Hill, four catches for 103 yards in that game. That's my problem. If if week one's a fluke, then what are all those? That's my question for Jair Alexander. If you're going to call Justin Jefferson's huge performance in week one a fluke, then was Terry McLaurin a fluke? Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Traylon Burks, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill. Maybe your secondary is just not that good. Wait a minute, Brian D. Wait a minute. I'm not going to let you come here on the new. I'm not going to let you start 2023 being disrespectful to the Green Bay Packers. I can't let you do it. It's not disrespect. It's fact. All all I'm going to say is this. Is I don't think Jair saying that Justin Jefferson's not gonna get money today. I think Justin's gonna get those numbers, but 184 and was it two touchdowns and seven catches? That's ridiculous yak that he had nine. that game. Uh, no, oh, nine. Whoa, whoa. That's a lot of fantasy points that he put up. And so I think Jair uh-huh. said the 184 is a fluke. Like six and 110 today, maybe a touchdown. That's probably like, yeah, that makes sense. But 184, he destroyed the Packers week one. So, so again, I, I'm going to defend the Packers, and I'm not going to say that they're not going to stop Justin Jefferson today. They're just going to make him look human today. Because remember, he said he's but, human when he wakes up. He's not superhuman. Again, and that week one, he was superhuman. Again, Kyle, though. He's the leading receiver in the NFL. This isn't a Packers problem as much as it is an everyone problem against Justin Jefferson, right? So if you're going to call that game a fluke, you have to call every game Justin Jefferson plays a fluke. He's been held under 100 yards one, two, three, four, five times this season, and one of those was a 98-yard performance. Let me look at some of these numbers. 133 last week against the Giants, 123, 223 yards against the Lions. Like, he does this every single week to every single defense that he plays. So I just, I I don't know why Jair felt the need to poke the bear, to poke the one thing that can hurt you the most if you're the Green Bay Packers today. There was no reason to do that on Thursday of this week ahead of the biggest game of the season. Let's get this up on Twitter, Kyle, at ESPN Milwaukee, at ESPN Madison uh, as well. Are you okay with what Jair said this week, with calling Justin Jefferson's week one performance a fluke? I think it was totally out of bounds and unnecessary because you never want to give your opponent more of a reason to try and kick your you-know-what on your home field. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. We'll talk with Jason Wildy about Jair's comments uh, coming up in just about 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, here on Sunday, Karma, an X factor in today's football game. Who could be the difference in the Packers keeping their playoff hopes alive and their season ending at about 6.30 tonight? We'll get into that coming up next. It's Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. On ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. You know me, real G. I take stacks the highest going. She 
Why did Jair poke the bear? Welcome back into Sunday Karma. Brian D. in for Craig Karma's in as your cousin's sub of the day. Live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Ahead of Packers, Vikings coming up at 325 this afternoon. Our pregame coverage on the Tundra Trio Radio Network starts at noon. Greg Matzik, Gary Ellerson, and Jason will be taking you right up until kickoff. If you're just joining us, Jair Alexander, the Packers star cornerback, second in the league in interceptions this year with five. He made an interesting statement, a declaration on Thursday in the Packers locker room, saying that Justin Jefferson's week one performance against the Packers, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, called it a fluke. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with the confidence as a Packers fan, or do you feel as though, like I do, he poked the bear? unnecessarily ahead of the Packers' biggest game of the season today against the Vikings. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. You can tweet at us at ESPN Milwaukee, at ESPN Madison. That's where we've got our Twitter poll up. So, Kyle, there's been a lot of talk this week, and rightfully so, about the receivers in this football game. Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. Christian Watson for the Packers left last week's game on Christmas. Um with uh, a hip injury, and we'll get an update on his status uh, from Jason Wilde in just a couple of minutes here. He's questionable for today's game. But a lot of talk about receivers because these teams like to throw the football. The X factor for today's game, though, I think is in the running game for the Minnesota Vikings and for the running defense for the Green Bay Packers because the Vikings this year have had a philosophical shift within their organization with a new head coach, obviously with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins having a career year. This team likes to throw the football. They have philosophically shifted from what once was a run to set up the pass offense to the other way around. It's the exact 180 now. They pass to try to set up the run. And back in week one, Dalvin Cook, the star running back for the Minnesota Vikings, had 20 carries for 90 yards, which is a great game, but we've seen him do much worse to the Green Bay Packers in the past. There is a gigantic opportunity today, I think, if the Vikings want to, and I don't know if they will, and this is a huge question mark today, and this could favor the Packers. Um, there's a huge opening for them to run the football. The Packers struggle stopping the run. They've struggled all season long. Uh, I don't exactly know why the Miami Dolphins deviated from that last week on Christmas because Raheem Mostert was gashing them at certain points in the first half. But the Packers have struggled against the run. They're 27th in the league in rushing yards per game against. So this is going to be really interesting today if the Minnesota Vikings can put their ego aside and just run the football. If they do... I think the Packers are going to struggle to stop them today because it'll open things up for that passing game and for Justin Jefferson. But the Vikings are full of themselves right now. They're feeling themselves, and I think they should be to a certain extent, right? Like when you are having the type of season that the Vikings are having where it seems like you've got 15 lives, you're winning these one-possession close games miraculously. You have the greatest comeback in NFL history. You're making game-winning field goals week after week after week. They're, they're full of themselves, and they're full of confidence, and it might blind them from potentially just doing the right thing today for them to win the game, which would be to turn around and hand the ball to Dalvin Cook and let him gash the Green Bay Packers' 27th-ranked rush defense in the league. I think their ego might get in the way of doing that, 
And I think that might favor the Packers because I think the Packers are going to be so focused on trying to slow down Justin Jefferson and this Packers attack that they might actually have some success if Kirk Cousins tries to air it out today. Kyle, where do you kind of see that falling? Because I think that could be the X factor in today's game. Do the Vikings have the humility in this miraculous season to just put their damn ego aside and run the football against what's been a run defense in Green Bay that's been gashed all season long? In Week 17, you don't change what has gotten to gotten you to where you are, Brian D. They're not going to change their game plan just because the Packers have the 27th, as you said, ranked rush defense in the NFL. They're going to continue to try to throw that ball around versus trying to pound the ball on the ground with one of the top running backs in the NFL with Dalvin Cook. So no, I don't see them changing it up whatsoever because of the fact that they've won these 12 games and most of them been by like one score this year. So no, I don't see any difference here, Brian D. It's going to be fascinating because, you know, Dalvin Cook is, like you said, still one of the premier weapons on the ground in the NFL. He's, I would say, a top five running back in the NFL. He's only got two 100-plus uh, yard performances this year. Once against the Arizona Cardinals on October 30th and once against the Buffalo Bills in an overtime game on November the 13th. Every other game has been under 100 yards, and he's touching it a lot, Kyle. He's only got one game this season with less than 10 touches. Uh, so they're just like not focusing on running the football as much as they have in years past. Like I said, this has been a philosophical shift for the Minnesota Vikings. And if they want to win today and, and kind of put the Green Bay Packers to bed, because quite frankly, I don't think anybody wants to see it elsewhere in the NFC. Like obviously Green Bay, uh, we want to see the Packers get into the playoffs. Packers fans obviously across the state of Wisconsin want to see it. I don't think anybody else in the NFC wants to see the Green Bay Packers get in because they know Aaron Rodgers can just wreck your day. And the one time the Packers found success getting to the Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers, it was a similar situation as this, where they backed in the last couple of weeks of the season with some miraculous victories and became road warriors, oh. right? And, and got through those three games to the Super Bowl. So Somebody I, else I, I, said I, this, Brian. I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Aaron okay. Rodgers ain't the same Aaron Rodgers he was that year. The defense is not showing any bright stops that it did that year. Th this is not the same thing. If anybody's fearing the Green Bay Packers going into the playoffs who are a playoff team and a team that thinks they're going to win the title, they don't deserve to be a championship team. I've seen this team get torched. Over and over again, whether through the air, as we talked about Justin Jefferson, or on the ground, as we talk about Philly rushing for, was it 300 yards? Was it 300? Yeah. Yeah, 300 yeah, 363. yards. 363. This, listen, and Aaron, I watched Aaron Rodgers last week, and he looked like a above-average quarterback last week. He did not look like a top-five elite quarterback last week. If any playoff team is worried about the Green Bay Packers, they ain't going nowhere fast. All right, let's. I'm, I'm curious about that too. Let's get that up on Twitter as well at ESPN Milwaukee and at ESPN Madison. Do you think other teams in the NFC fear the Packers if they were to get into the playoffs? I, I, I think you you never want to go up against Aaron Rodgers because the first round game, Kyle, that wild card weekend game, if the Packers were to get in. It would be against, most likely, San Francisco, which has been a house of horrors for the Green Bay Packers out there uh, at that Levi Stadium. So it would be San Francisco or it would be Minnesota. Those are your two options for Wild Card Weekend. So I don't think San Francisco would fear them as much, but still, look at the position San Francisco's in. 
They're starting Mr. Irrelevance at quarterback. Uh, you can say all you want. San Francisco's really good. They're fast. Their defense is awesome. They've got great weapons. Christian McCaffrey's been an awesome addition for them. But still, that first-round playoff game would be Brock Purdy against Aaron freaking Rodgers, right? Like, there's got to be some semblance of fear if you're a Niners fan at the perspective of that matchup. I do think other teams around the NFL would fear the Packers getting in. We lost to Taylor Heineke. Heineke, Heineke, Heineke. I don't know what it is, but we lost to Taylor. Trust me. Tyler, Taylor, H. Nobody's been more critical of the Packers this year than me. Nobody. But I don't think the Vikings would want to see the Packers for a third time on wildcard weekend. And I don't think Brock Purdy... Like, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Taylor Heineke or Aaron Rodgers in that first game? Because those are your perspective options, right? If the Packers get in, they're going to de-seat either the Commanders or the Giants. So if you're the Vikings or the Niners, would you rather go up against Aaron Rodgers in your first game or Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones in your first game? That's I'm tr- taking the Commanders and Giants every single time. That's every true. Every time. That's I true. I think other teams in the NFC would be... Not scared bleepless of the Packers getting in, but at least it it puts some hesitation and go, oh no, we we actually have to put up a good fight and a good battle on Wild Card Weekend against one of the hotter teams in the NFL. We're going to ask Jason Wildey about this and a bunch of other things about today's game against the Vikings. Jason Wildey joins us next on Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Brian D. in for Craig Karmazin as your cousin's sub of the day on Sunday. Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. Coming to you live from the Tundra Trio in the shadow of Lambeau Field ahead of today's massive game between the Packers and the Vikings at 325. And joining us now, a man that'll be in the press box of that game and a man that'll be here at the trio for Green Bay game day pregame with Greg Madsen and Gary Ellerson in nah, a couple hours here. He's our Packers reporter. He's Jason Wildy. Good morning, Jason. Happy New Year. Good morning, Brian. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you very much. So Kyle and I just got into it a little bit, Jason, in our last segment. Kyle Wallace, our producer, Uh because we got into a a little bit of a heated discussion about whether or not other teams in the NFC would be fearful of the Green Bay Packers if they were to sneak into the playoffs by winning these last two games and getting the other results they need from the Commanders and from the Giants. What say you? Do you think other teams, the Niners, the Vikings, those would probably be the the teams they'd play on wildcard weekend. Do you think they'd be hesitant, fearful of the Packers sneaking into the playoffs? First of all, I have a hard time imagining Kyle getting heated about this. Did you, did, did you really get heated, Kyle? No, I didn't, I didn't get heated. I was just a little passionate about the fact that the Packers aren't really scaring many teams. But I didn't get heated. Brian D's just throwing that out there. Okay, well, I, there's I, a little heat. I think I think scary or uh, I, I don't think they're scared. Uh, first of all, I don't, you know I don't think teams 
think that way. But what I would say is this. I think they'd much rather play the Washington Commanders who don't know who their quarterback is right now. They've gone back to Carson Wentz. I think they'd much rather play Daniel Jones because here's the thing. When you face Aaron Rodgers, and and look, there's no doubt that this season, for whatever reason folks want to use, right, his injuries, he simply hasn't played well, not being on the same page with young receivers, not running the offense, just simply, you know, in a in a in a manner that they don't have to know signals or know what he's thinking, whatever reason, he they have not been statistically very good in a passing game. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a 300-yard passing game this season. He's had three games out of 15 where he's had a passer rating for that day over 100. So you'll get no argument from me that he has not played well for all those reasons. But you know what he's capable of. You saw the throw he made to Mercedes Lewis down the sideline last week. You don't want any part of a guy that can play like that in a win-or-go-home scenario. So for that reason, I do believe that they don't want the Packers in the playoffs because they don't want to face a four-time NFL MVP who on that given Sunday or Saturday or whenever they would end up playing their game, he could play like that. I understand he hasn't played like that very often this season, but to me – that's the reason you want no part of them. And, and that's why I saw Tom Pelissero this morning on the NFL Network say the Vikings are extremely motivated to put this to bed and keep the Packers out of the playoffs. And I used this example throughout the week on all of our different ESPN Wisconsin shows, but it bears repeating that Lovey Smith and the Chicago Bears came into Lambeau Field on the last day of 2010. And Lovey Smith, who, by the way, Look at the record Lovey Smith had at in Chicago, and then look at all the other coaches they've had. Uh, he kind of knew what he was doing. He said, look, we're playing all our guys. They had nothing to play for that day. They couldn't change their spot in the playoff uh, seating, and yet they played all their guys the entire game, try and beat the Packers and keep them out of the playoffs. And they failed, mm-hmm. but they tried. And, of course, what happened in the NFC Championship game the Packers came into Soldier Field, the team they didn't want in the playoffs, the team that had to win three road games in a row to get to the Super Bowl and beat them and went to the Super Bowl. So, Jason, those points are super well taken, and I agree with you. That was that was the side of the argument I took with Kyle. And, well, I guess not an argument, but um, you, you talk about Minnesota's motivation. <laughs> heated heated just... discussion. <laughs> sure. Well, We'll phrase it that way. Um, You talk about Minnesota's motivation to just put it to bed today, right? Um, We started the show talking about Jair Alexander's comments on Thursday, directed toward Justin Jefferson, or at least about Justin Jefferson, calling that week one performance, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, a fluke. Why? Why poke the bear? Why give the best receiver in the NFL, even more motivation in a game that you just said they're immensely motivated for anyway. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, he was, you know, he's, he's got bravado. He's got confidence. uh, He's got five interceptions. Now this season, um, he's feeling good. And look, again, I would agree with you. Like why, the fire 
any more than you need to, but he, I don't know if he couldn't help himself. And he look, he was fine until that sentence. He knew he was saying what he was saying. But before that, he had said, you know, that, that Justin Jefferson's in his top three and that he's behind his old teammate, Devontae Adams. But he, all, he, he praised him, talked about what a, all the good things he does and everything else. And then he just had to include that. And it was interesting, you know, Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com, uh, Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, Bill Huber from Sports Illustrated and I, we kind of talked about it after we walked away from the table where he was talking. And, you know, part of me was like, you know, it's one sentence out of a seven-minute conversation, but it's also not my job to decide, well, he didn't really mean that. So we all kind of decide, look, we have to include it in our stories. And I thought, frankly, that we all kind of took an approach of, you know, well, let's not, let's not just make the first sentence Jair Alexander thinks Justin Jefferson's first performance was a fluke. But sure. we all included the quote, and of course it took its natural course, and, and everybody kind of knows where it's gone from there. Yeah, absolutely. Jason Wilde with us here on Sunday. Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. Brian D. in for Craig Karmazin. Live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay as your cousin's sub of the day. Jason, the other thing I'm fascinated to watch inside Lambeau today during the game is... The ego, not of Jair Alexander, but of the Minnesota Vikings and their play calling. Because in the past, I feel like they've been a run-to-set-up-the-pass kind of team. And it seems to me that's flip-flop this year, where they're trying to pass. They're trying to air it out. They're trying to play 2023 NFL football, and they have the personnel to do that. But it seems to me like the door is open against the Packers to just turn the ball around and hand it to Dalvin Cook and let him eat. Do you think they'll be able to put their ego aside, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and just run the damn ball today? Or do you think they're going to try to stick to their guns and air it out? Well, I, I think it's important to note that the Packers' defense is statistically misleading, right? Like, I understand that they had interceptions on each of Tua's last three drives last week. And then what did we learn? Obviously, we learned that he had suffered some sort of concussion. Whether or not that was affecting his play then or the symptoms came back, came in later and it didn't really impact how he played, um, he did not play well. A couple of those interceptions he threw right to guys, right? So I understand that they came up with the plays that they needed to come up with in that game. But there's this weird thing about their statistics. So in the passing in passing. Uh, yardage per game they're third fewest in the league at 192.4 per game and that would lead you to think oh they're, they're they're good they're good against the pass per play and this would indicate that they've given up a a lot of big plays and b that when you run the ball effectively like teams have against the 27th slash 29th ranked run defense that you don't throw as frequently um, they're 27th in passing yards allowed per play. So they're not really that good of a pass defense. And so to me, when I look at what the what Kevin O'Connell's game plan should be today, I think it should be balanced. I mean, you've got Justin Jefferson. You've got T.J. Uh, Hawkinson now as part of your mix, right? I mean, I think you want to be balanced. And while we tease Matt LaFleur for – so frequently getting out of balance. Um, I'm not sure that the Vikings 
need to lean one way or the other. It's also, I don't know, 36 degrees here. You're over on the other side of town. Like the, the, the temperatures are not such, and the wind is not such that you would think you can't throw the football today. So mm-hmm. I would anticipate a pretty balanced attack from the Vikings. And again, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge Kirk cousins defender by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, they are, they are pretty good as a passing offense and he has played quite well this season and they're not playing at night. So he should play well today. <laughs> the noon kickoff and the three twenty-five are always favors Kirk over the prime time game. Jason, a couple of Packers players with questionables next to their names on this week's injury report. I want to ask you about a couple of those guys coming up on the other side. This is Sunday karma across ESPN, Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Brian Dean for Craig Karmazin as your cousin sub of the day here on Sunday. Karma live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay. Rolling on with Jason Wildey. Jason, a couple of impactful players on the injury report for the Packers this week. I think most notably is Christian Watson. He left last weekend's game uh, on Christmas, I think at like halftime. I don't know if he played in the second half at all with a hip injury. When did that happen? How did that happen? All I really saw about it was him kind of, you know, I, I read his lips on the sideline on the TV broadcast. Somebody seemed to ask him, like, hey, are you okay? And he said, no, nah, I'm done. Um, w- what's your insight into what happened with his hip? Yeah, he took a pretty hard hit. There was a fourth down catch that he had. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. Um, and, yeah, you, you read his lips correctly. He didn't think he could continue. Now, he didn't really do anything meaningful in practice all week. Uh they listed him as limited uh, on Friday, but he didn't really do much. Um, and they said they're basically going to give him until kickoff or until the 90 minutes before kickoff when their uh, inactive list has to be in. But, I mean, they were propping him up, talking about how smart he is, which I don't doubt that. But he's still a rookie, and we saw him struggle, and we've seen rookies struggle when they have full weeks of practice. And now he's not going to practice at all this week, and yet they're hopeful that he can play and he's going to be on the same page with the sometimes demanding quarterback. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes if, in fact, he's cleared. And, and, again, you know, he has been such a difference maker for their offense. Like, it is just a completely different dynamic when he's on the field. But if he's not 100%, I'm not sure what percentage he has to be for it to be worth it, but uh, that will be what we'll be watching during Green Bay game day pregame uh, at about 1.55 when that injury, uh, when that inactive list will come out. Jason, what about Aaron Jones? It feels like early in the season we were asking the question, where is Aaron Jones and why isn't he touching the ball more for like football reasons? And now we're starting to realize his, his ankles may be a little bit more banged up than we realized. Uh, what's the extent of the pain he's been playing through with that ankle injury? Because it seems like it's been less of him and more of A.J. Dillon of late. 
Yeah, I think uh, that criticism early in the season was fair. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur would even acknowledge that it was fair. But I saw folks getting frustrated uh, on social media last week. You know, Aaron Jones has six touches. Um, Yeah, there's a reason for that now. And that obviously is not because play caller Matt LaFleur has forgotten that he has Aaron Jones. It's been, it's a legitimate issue. Uh, They are trying to find ways to get him on the field in crucial moments while not having him on the field constantly in hopes of getting the best from him. And, and of course, that's a really tough balancing act. It was one of the things we talked about with the coaches throughout the week because you never know what play is going to be the play that he breaks a big play on. And so you want him out there a lot more. And, you know, they're, they're trying to get him through these two weeks and get the best of him while not overusing him. And, and you know, yesterday they called up Tyler Goodson, their practice squad uh, number four running back. They've already got their number three running back and Patrick Taylor up on the 53. So they clearly feel like they have to manage this uh, for these last two games. So, I, look, Aaron Jones, I respect the heck out of him. You know, I think there's, there's probably some Packers fans who are looking at what he's doing and then looking at the uncertainty of Christian Watson playing and wondering what the what the dis- discrepancy is there. But um, that he will play today. They took him off the injury report, but that does not mean he's, uh, he's healthy because he definitely is not. What about Keyshawn Nixon, Jason? I've facetiously said I'm ready to put him in the Packers Hall of Fame because he's just doing something that no Packers done in what feels like forever, and that's actually being productive in the return game. How's he feeling going into this game? Yeah, that is another major concern. I mean, maybe we don't put it quite as high as the availability of Christian Watson because obviously the kick returner only touches the ball a handful of times uh, in the game. But Keyshawn Nixon is also their nickel corner, so he comes in as their fifth defensive back. Um, you know, he the, the issue with him, and I would think the concern with him would be he went into the Miami game on the injury report during the week with a groin injury and then came out of the game because of a groin injury. So it was obviously an aggravation of a previous injury. And that to me is always concerning because then is it really going to have healed after you re-injured it during the course of the game and couldn't keep playing? Um, uh, You know, he is explosive. Uh, I mean, he's got four kickoff returns of over 50 yards, most in the league. He had a 93 yarder last week. Um, That was, not, I mean, it would have been, if you're a Packers fan, it would have been nice for him to get to the end zone. They haven't had a touchdown kickoff return since Randall Cobb was a rookie in 2011, and now he's possibly going to retire after the season. So that tells you how long it's been. Um, but again, like, it seems to me to be a game where you want to have all hands on deck, no doubt about it. And I'm sure Keyshawn Nixon is going to lobby to play. My question would be, is he quite as as explosive under those circumstances where he can't open it up like he would if he was fully healthy. All right, last thing for you, Jason. And Jason Wildey joins us here live on Sunday. Karma from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay. What do you think is the likelier outcome that Packers fans should be rooting for the last two weeks of the season? Obviously, everybody's going to be pulling for the Packers to win, but is it the Commanders losing one or the Giants losing two? The Commanders and the Giants both playing at noon today, Washington hosting the Browns and the Giants hosting the Colts. 
Yeah, I think you're going to be hoping that Mike McCarthy uh, plays all of his guys in Week 18 because they play the Commanders. And uh, I don't think the Giants are going to lose to the fighting Jeff Saturdays today. And I don't think uh, the Commanders are going to lose to that Browns team. And so then we go into next week in a scenario where they're going to still need help. Now, what would be interesting would be if the Packers won and the Commanders lost today, because then I think, and people who have been using the uh, playoff predictor more than I have been can correct me on this, but if Detroit also wins today, I think that would set up Packers versus Lions with the winner going to the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. like a de facto playoff game next week, which that's what I'm rooting for. I think that would be fun. Uh, But again, uh, we'll have to wait and see what the, I just don't, I'll be surprised if the commanders lose this one. And then, you know, if you're Mike McCarthy, you know, you guys will take this conversation full circle. If you're Mike McCarthy, do you play all your guys to win that game, even if you don't have anything technically to play for in your own playoff positioning? Or do you say, you know what, we don't play our guys. Washington beats us. doesn't affect our playoff status at all, but it keeps the Packers out of the playoffs. Yeah, um, That would be interesting, especially for the old ball coach who, while he says he's on good terms with the quarterback, probably still isn't on the greatest of terms with the guy who fired him, the team president. Yeah, and uh, you know, especially the way that first game between those two teams went, I still think there's some uh, hesitation about how that result would go if they had to meet in the postseason. Yeah. The one thing, Jason, I'm rooting for is just let's let's get to next week with the hopes alive because then the NFL is going to schedule these games together and it's just going to be mass scoreboard watching for four hours. It's going to be epic regardless of how it turns out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm rooting for it to be a primetime game so it doesn't impact any sort of uh, sixth-grade basketball or anything like that. That's really I'm, all I'm rooting for. Media starts with me. Jason, thank you so much for the time. We'll see you over here at the Trio in a couple hours. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Take care. Be good. That is Jason Wildy, our Packers reporter. You know where to find him. He's everywhere. Wildy and Taos, Green Bay game day pre and post. Every ESPN Wisconsin show, he's coming up on Green Bay game day pregame a little after 12 o'clock. 7 at 11, and the start of Hour 2 of Sunday Karma is next across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Okay. And they wax my eyebrows every time I get my hair cut. Okay. I literally have one eyebrow, and I've had people trip over my nose hairs. Okay. It's embarrassing yeah. when someone trips over your nose hair. Yeah, that's that's not, cool. not cool. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. Then he, he said, I don't want to be a bum. He doesn't want to be playing and not be good anymore. And I I think that is a legitimate concern for him, and I think this uh-huh. year... For Rodgers. For the MVP yeah. of the NFL again this yeah, year? Right. Is he really really I think Aaron Rodgers should be in the uh, conversation as well for executive of the year. <laughs> Plus some fun with pop culture. Man, that round might be a- is the round, the quarterfinals. That's the metal no, round. No, that's Wait, can we, do we get Matt, get, call Matt Hamilton right now? Because we got to find out. <laughs> this is Sunday Karma. Well, all I can tell you is I picked way better than you throughout this, Ben. So you got lucky that I have a life and I couldn't get my picks in a few times because I clearly picked way better than you. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City. The whole uh, 
you know, Harper as the co-host. She hasn't been here in a year. She doesn't deserve that uh, love. She should get bumped. Here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. It's New Year's Day, and they're still alive. Good morning, everybody across the state of Wisconsin. Welcome into Sunday Karma. I am not Craig Karmazin. My name is Brian D., your cousin's sub of the day on this New Year's Day. Coming to you live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay, Wisconsin, ahead of a huge football game between the Packers and the Vikings. Their playoff hopes Still remarkably alive, and we'll see if they can push it to Week 18 today with an unlikely shot at the postseason still hanging in the balance today. Kyle Wallace is in his normal chair back in Milwaukee in the Gruber Law Offices. Want to call that's all studios. What's up, Kyle? Nothing much. Happy New Year, Brian D. And like you said, the Packers are still alive and still giving me this hope that I do not want to have, Brian. Yeah, so so just to reset things, Kyle, for our fans in terms of what needs to happen for the Packers to get into the postseason, they obviously got to win their last two games. It starts with that. They got to beat the Vikings today at Lambeau. They got to beat the Lions next week uh, at Lambeau as well. And then they need one of these two things to happen. They either need one commander's loss, and the commanders play the Browns today at home, or they need two New York Giants losses, and the Giants play the Colts today. So all of that needs to happen, and if it does, even though this Packers team was 4-8 and eight a month ago and they've struggled all season long, they would find themselves playing on Super Wild Card Weekend. So uh, we'll get into your thoughts. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. Uh, about today's game, and I'm curious how folks and fans across the state are feeling about today's game. Do you think they're actually going to pull this off and survive to week 18? And that's a win in and of itself. Like, to get to the final week of the season with your playoff hopes alive, when you were 4-8 and eight a month ago, would be a gigantic victory. Because we would all be able to scoreboard watch next week, right? We'd all go into that Lions game going, okay, we got to win, but we also have to keep our eyes on what the Giants are doing and what the Commanders are doing. It would be tremendous drama, so that would be a huge win for all of us if the Packers can just get through today. That is a huge challenge in and of itself. And it's 2023 now this morning, so Kyle, I figured we would start with the biggest story of the Packers' week today, and that big story, where's number 23, ironically enough? That is star cornerback Jair Alexander. Now, Jair is um, confident, cocky, some might say. And I think you have to be a little bit of that to play cornerback in the National Football League. You wouldn't be any good if you didn't have that ego in the first place because it's a difficult position to play. And it's only gotten more difficult with the rules that the NFL has put in place about pass interference. It's just hard to defend the way the game has changed, right? It's a passing league now, and guys like Jair and guys like Jalen Ramsey, they're loud and rambunctious because they need to have that ego to pump themselves up to be able to even have a chance against some of these top wide receivers. But there's a thin line to tiptoe there, and I think Jair Alexander might have crossed it this week. If you missed this, on Thursday of this week, as the Packers were getting ready for this Vikings game today, Jair Alexander spoke to the media in the locker room. And he was asked about Justin Jefferson. 
the leading wide receiver in the National Football League for the Minnesota Vikings. He's burst onto the scene since being drafted in 2020. And he had a monster game in week one in Minneapolis when the Vikings took down the Packers 23-7. to Nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns in that victory. The Packers' secondary got absolutely chewed up, and Jair Alexander was a part of that. But Jair decided to say on Thursday of this week, with Justin Jefferson coming into Lambeau today, quote, You've got to be real. He don't jump in no super suit and get dressed and jump outside, you hear me? I don't either sometimes, but he's human, is what I'm saying. We ain't putting too much on nobody. He's a really good receiver, but at the end of the day, I'm a really good corner. We've got really good corners. We've got really good linebackers, D-line, whatever it is. You don't want to put too much focus on that one person because it's like the first game, that was a fluke. Okay, Kyle, all of that I think was fine until you say the first game was a fluke. Because when you cross that line and call something a fluke, A, you're just wrong. Like, Justin Jefferson's the leading receiver in the NFL. He does that to everybody, not just you. That was not a fluke. That's just who Justin Jefferson is. So that's number one. It was just wrong. And then the second thing is, you don't want to give the leading receiver in the National Football League more incentive to chew you up today in a game with your playoff hopes on the line. What are you poking the bear for, Jair? Now, maybe it's boosting himself up and boosting his teammates up and trying to build the confidence, but I can't for the life of me, Kyle Wallace, figure out why. Why? Ahead of the biggest game of the season, Jair Alexander decided to pull the fluke card on the leading receiver in the National Football League. Help me understand this. Why is he doing this? Why is he poking the bear ahead of a gigantic game for the Packers? I don't think it was a fluke. I think it was a schematic failure of Coach mm. Barry in week one. So maybe Jair's saying maybe this time around he's going to follow him a little bit more instead of him basically chewing up us in a zone and finding open windows and destroying the defense of the Green Bay Packers. So maybe that's what Jair was trying to say. Instead of throwing his defensive coordinator under the bus, maybe he used mm-hmm. the word fluke because he didn't want to make Joe Barry feel bad for his failures of week one of preparing for the best receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. And so maybe this week as they have a better plan for Justin Jefferson. So I ain't mad at the confidence. I'm really not. I think Jair Alexander knows something that we don't know, Brian. Okay, so he- here's my problem with that. And that's all fine and well, Kyle. And I think it's a reasonable explanation. Here's my problem. It, it, this has been happening all season long to the Packers' secondary against top wide receivers, right? It wasn't just Justin Jefferson with that 9 for 184 and two tuds in week one. Let me run down the Packers' defensive performances all right, against some of the top wide receivers. Let's, let's hear what this You're great ready? defensive backcourt that Jair thinks he works with is, uh, it has yes. gotten lit up for this year. All right, so Terry McLaurin, scary Terry McLaurin in that game in D.C., Landover, Maryland against the Commanders, a loss that we all expected to be a win. Terry McLaurin, five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And, man, he made some catches one-on-one against Jair in that game and made him look bad. Like, I think the touchdown was against Jair Yeah, that was a nasty one. That was was good. That was good. Yeah, he mossed him. And then there was a late uh, first down that kind of clinched the game at the end that Terry McLaurin just kind of went up and snagged it from him. So... Uh, That was bad. Five for 73 and a touchdown against the Commanders. Stephon Diggs, that Sunday night game in Buffalo, six catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Nicely done, Jair and the Packers secondary. Um, 
CeeDee Lamb. We all forget about this performance because the Packers miraculously came back and won that game at Lambeau against the Dallas Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb had 11 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns in that game. And we kind of glance over it because that was the Christian Watson coming out party where he scored three and Mike McCarthy takes the loss and that kind of spun things for a moment of, of positivity in the middle of the season for the Packers. But 11 for 150 and two tuds was a monster performance. Uh, let's keep moving here. And I don't want to call this guy a star wide receiver in the NFL, but he had a star night here at Lambeau. Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans helped make Ryan Tannehill look like an all-pro. Seven catches for 111 yards in that game when the Titans came in here and beat the Packers. And then let's go to last week, Kyle. Uh, And I get it. The Packers came up with three interceptions in the second half. Jair Alexander had one of those interceptions. We now know that those three interceptions came from a quarterback that was playing concussed for the entire second half. So take that for what it's worth. But Jalen Waddell last week, Five catches for 143 yards and a long touchdown that made Jair Alexander look foolish trying to tackle him. And then Tyreek Hill, four catches for 103 yards in that game. That's my problem. If if week one's a fluke, then what are all those? That's my question for Jair Alexander. If you're going to call Justin Jefferson's huge performance in week one a fluke, then was Terry McLaurin a fluke? Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Traylon Burks, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill... Maybe your secondary is just not that good. Wait a knows? minute, Maybe Brian D. Wait a minute. I'm not going to let okay. you come here yeah. on the new. I'm not going to let you start 2023 being disrespectful to the Green Bay Packers. I can't let you do it's it. It's not disrespect. What? It's fact. I, I, all, I, all I'm going to say is this. is I don't think Jair saying that Justin Jefferson is not going to get money today. I think Justin's going to get those numbers. But 184 and was it two touchdowns and seven catches? That's ridiculous yak that he had nine. that game. Uh, no, oh, nine. Whoa, whoa. That's a lot of fantasy points that he put up. And so I think Jair uh-huh. said the 184 is a fluke. Like 6 and 110 today, maybe a touchdown. That's probably like, yeah, that makes sense. But 184, he destroyed the Packers week one. So, so again, I, I'm going to defend the Packers, and I'm not going to say that they're not going to stop Justin Jefferson today. They're just going to make him look human today. Because remember, he said he's human when he wakes up. He's not superhuman. Again, and that week one, he was superhuman. Again, Kyle, though. He's the leading receiver in the NFL. This isn't a Packers problem as much as it is an everyone problem against Justin Jefferson, right? So if you're going to call that game a fluke, you have to call every game Justin Jefferson plays a fluke. He's been held under 100 yards one, two, three, four, five times this season, and one of those was a 98-yard performance. Let me look at some of these numbers. 133. Last week against the Giants, 123, 223 yards against the Lions. Like, he does this every single week to every single defense that he plays. So, I just, I I don't know why Jair felt the need to poke the bear, to poke the one thing that can hurt you the most if you're the Green Bay Packers today. There was no reason to do that on Thursday of this week ahead of the biggest game of the season. Let's get this up on Twitter, Kyle, at ESPN Milwaukee, at ESPN Madison uh, as well. Are you okay with what Jair said this week, with calling Justin Jefferson's week one performance a fluke? I think it was totally out of bounds and unnecessary because you never want to give your opponent more of a reason to try and kick your you-know-what on your home 
field. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. We'll talk with Jason Wildy about Jair's comments uh, coming up in just about 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, here on Sunday, Karma, an X Factor in today's football game. Who could be the difference in the Packers keeping their playoff hopes alive and their season ending at about 6.30 tonight? We'll get into that coming up next. It's Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. On ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Why did Jair poke the bear? Welcome back into Sunday Karma. Brian D. in for Craig Karmazin as your cousin's sub of the day. Live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Head of Packers, Vikings, coming up at 325 this afternoon. Our pregame coverage on the Tundra Trio Radio Network starts at noon. Greg Matzik, Gary Ellerson, and Jason will be taking you right up until kickoff. If you're just joining us, Jair Alexander, the Packers star cornerback, second in the league in interceptions this year with five. He made an interesting statement, a declaration on Thursday in the Packers locker room, saying that Justin Jefferson's week one performance against the Packers, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, called it a fluke. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with the confidence as a Packers fan, or do you feel as though, like I do, he poked the bear unnecessarily ahead of the Packers' biggest game of the season today against the Vikings. 800-990-3776 is the phone number for you to get in. You can tweet at us at ESPN Milwaukee, at ESPN Madison. That's where we've got our Twitter poll up. So, Kyle, there's been a lot of talk this week, and rightfully so, about the receivers in this football game. Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. Christian Watson for the Packers left last week's game on Christmas. Um with uh, a hip injury, and we'll get an update on his status uh, from Jason Wildey in just a couple of minutes here. He's questionable for today's game. But a lot of talk about receivers because these teams like to throw the football. The X factor for today's game, though, I think is in the running game for the Minnesota Vikings and for the running defense for the Green Bay Packers because the Vikings this year have had a philosophical shift within their organization with a new head coach, obviously with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins having a career year. This team likes to throw the football. They have philosophically shifted from what once was a run to set up the pass offense to the other way around. It's the exact 180 now. They pass to try to set up the run. And back in week one, Dalvin Cook, the star running back for the Minnesota Vikings, had 20 carries for 90 yards, which is a great game, but we've seen him do much worse to the Green Bay Packers in the past. There is a gigantic opportunity today, I think, if the Vikings want to, and I don't know if they will, and this is a huge question mark today, and this could favor the Packers. Uh, There's a huge opening for them to run the football. The Packers struggle stopping the run. They've struggled all season long. 
Uh, I don't exactly know why the Miami Dolphins deviated from that last week on Christmas because Raheem Mostert was gashing them at certain points in the first half. But the Packers have struggled against the run. They're 27th in the league in rushing yards per game against. So this is going to be really interesting today. If the Minnesota Vikings can put their ego aside and just run the football, if they do, I think the Packers are going to struggle to stop them today because it'll open things up for that passing game and for Justin Jefferson. But the Vikings are full of themselves right now. They're feeling themselves, and I think they should be to a certain extent, right? Like, when you are having the type of season that the Vikings are having, where it seems like you've got 15 lives, you're winning these one-possession close games miraculously, you have the greatest comeback in NFL history, you're making game-winning field goals week after week after week, they're, they're full of themselves, and they're full of confidence, and it might blind them from potentially just doing the right thing today for them to win the game, which would be to turn around and hand the ball to Dalvin Cook and let him gash the Green Bay Packers' 27th-ranked rush defense in the league. I think their ego might get in the way of doing that, and I think that might favor the Packers because I think the Packers are going to be so focused on trying to slow down Justin Jefferson and this Packers attack that they might actually have some success if Kirk Cousins tries to air it out today. Kyle, where do you kind of see that falling? Because I think that could be the X factor in today's game. Do the Vikings have the humility in this miraculous season to just put their damn ego aside and run the football against what's been a run defense in Green Bay that's been gashed all season long? In week 17, you don't change what has gotten to gotten you to where you are, Brian D. They're not going to change their game plan just because the Packers have the 27th, as you said, ranked rush defense in the NFL. They're going to continue to try to throw that ball around versus trying to pound the ball on the ground with one of the top running backs in the NFL with Dalvin Cook. So no, I don't see them changing it up whatsoever because of the fact that they've won these 12 games and most of them been by like one score this year. So no, I don't see any difference here, Brian D. It's going to be fascinating because, you know, Dalvin Cook is, like you said, still one of the premier weapons on the ground in the NFL. He's, I would say, a top five running back in the NFL. He's only got two 100-plus uh, yard performances this year. Once against the Arizona Cardinals on October 30th and once against the Buffalo Bills in an overtime game on November the 13th. Every other game has been under 100 yards, and he's touching it a lot, Kyle. He's only got one game this season with less than 10 touches. Uh, so they're just like not focusing on running the football as much as they have in years past. Like I said, this has been a philosophical shift for the Minnesota Vikings, and if they want to win today and and kind of put the Green Bay Packers to bed, because quite frankly, I don't think anybody wants to see elsewhere in the NFC, like obviously Green Bay, uh, we want to see the Packers get into the playoffs. Packers fans obviously across the state of Wisconsin want to see it. I don't think anybody else in the NFC wants to see the Green Bay Packers get in because they know Aaron Rodgers can just wreck your day. And the one time the Packers found success getting to the Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers, it was a similar situation as this, where they backed in the last couple of weeks of the season with some miraculous victories. 
and became road warriors, oh. right? And, and got through those three games to the Super Bowl. So somebody I, else I, said I, this, Brian. I just I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Aaron okay. Rodgers ain't the same Aaron Rodgers he was that year. The defense is not showing any bright stops that it did that year. That this is not the same thing. If anybody's fearing the Green Bay Packers going into the playoffs, who are a playoff team and a team that thinks they're going to win the title, they don't deserve to be a championship team. I've seen this team get torched. Over and over again, whether through the air, as we talked about Justin Jefferson, or on the ground, if we talk about Philly rushing for, was it 300 yards? Was it 300? Yeah. Yeah, 300 yeah, yards. This, listen, and Aaron, I watched Aaron Rodgers last week, and he looked like a above-average quarterback last week. He did not look like a top-five elite quarterback last week. If any playoff team is worried about the Green Bay Packers, they ain't going nowhere fast. All right, let's. I'm curious about that too. Let's get that up on Twitter as well at ESPN Milwaukee and at ESPN Madison. Do you think other teams in the NFC fear the Packers if they were to get into the playoffs? I, I think you you never want to go up against Aaron Rodgers because the first round game, Kyle, that wild card weekend game, if the Packers were to get in. It would be against most likely San Francisco, which has been a house of horrors for the Green Bay Packers out there uh, at that Levi Stadium. So it would be San Francisco or it would be Minnesota. Those are your two options for Wild Card Weekend. So I don't think San Francisco would fear them as much, but still, look at the position San Francisco's in. They're starting Mr. Irrelevance at quarterback. Uh, you can say all you want. San Francisco's really good. They're fast. Their defense is awesome. They've got great weapons. Christian McCaffrey's been an awesome addition for them. But still, that first-round playoff game would be Brock Purdy against Aaron freaking Rodgers, right? Like, there's got to be some semblance of fear if you're a Niners fan at the perspective of that matchup. I do think other teams around the NFL would fear the Packers getting in. We lost to Taylor Heineke. Heineke, Heineke, Heineke. I don't know what it is, but we lost to Taylor. Trust me. Tyler, Taylor, H. Nobody's been more critical of the Packers this year than me. Nobody. But I don't think the Vikings would want to see the Packers for a third time on Wild Card Weekend. And I don't think Brock Purdy... Like, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Taylor Heineke or Aaron Rodgers in that first game? Because those are your perspective options, right? If the Packers get in, they're going to de-seat either the Commanders or the Giants. So if you're the Vikings or the Niners, would you rather go up against Aaron Rodgers in your first game or Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones in your first game? That's I'm tr- taking the Commanders and Giants every single time. That's every true. Every time. That's I true. I think other teams in the NFC would be... Not scared bleepless of the Packers getting in, but at least it it puts some hesitation and go, oh no, we we actually have to put up a good fight and a good battle on Wild Card Weekend against one of the hotter teams in the NFL. We're going to ask Jason Wildey about this and a bunch of other things about today's game against the Vikings. Jason Wildey joins us next on Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wildey is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. 
Brian D in for Craig Karmazin as your cousin sub of the day on Sunday. Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. Coming to you live from the Tundra Trio in the shadow of Lambeau Field ahead of today's massive game between the Packers and the Vikings at 325. And joining us now, man that'll be in the press box of that game and a man that'll be here at the Trio for Green Bay game day pregame with Greg Madsen and Gary Ellerson in nah, a couple hours here. He's our Packers reporter. He's Jason Wildey. Good morning, Jason. Happy New Year. Good morning, Brian. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you very much. So Kyle and I just got into it a little bit, Jason, in our last segment. Kyle Wallace, our producer, Uh because we got into a, a little bit of a heated discussion about whether or not other teams in the NFC would be fearful of the Green Bay Packers if they were to sneak into the playoffs by winning these last two games and getting the other results they need from the Commanders and from the Giants. What say you? Do you think other teams, the Niners, the Vikings, those would probably be the the teams they'd play on wildcard weekend. Do you think they'd be hesitant, fearful of the Packers sneaking into the playoffs? First of all, I have a hard time imagining Kyle getting heated about this. Did you, did, did you really get heated, Kyle? No, I didn't get heated. I was just a little passionate about the fact that the Packers aren't really scaring many teams. But I didn't get heated. Brian D's just throwing that out there. Okay, well, I, there's I, a little heat. I think, I think scary or uh, I, I don't think they're scared. First of all, I don't, you know, I don't think teams think that way. But what I would say is this: I think they'd much rather play the Washington Commanders who don't know who their quarterback is right now. They've gone back to Carson Wentz. I think they'd much rather play Daniel Jones because here's the thing. When you face Aaron Rodgers, and and look, there's no doubt that this season, for whatever reason folks want to use, right, his injuries, he simply hasn't played well, not being on the same page with young receivers, not running the offense, just simply, you know, in 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 a manner that they don't have to, no signals or nobody's thinking. Whatever reason, he, they have not been statistically very good in a passing game. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a 300-yard passing game this season. He's had three games out of 15 where he's had a passer rating for that day over 100. So you'll get no argument from me that he has not played well for all those reasons. But you know what he's capable of. You saw the throw he made to Mercedes Lewis down the sideline last week. You don't want any part of a guy that can play like that in a win-or-go-home scenario. So for that reason, I do believe that they don't want the Packers in the playoffs because they don't want to face a four-time NFL MVP who on that given Sunday or Saturday or whenever they would end up playing their game he could play like that. I understand he yeah. hasn't played like that very often this season, but to me, that's the reason you want no part of him. And, and that's why I saw Tom Pelissero this morning on the NFL Network say the Vikings are extremely motivated to put this to bed and keep the Packers out of the playoffs. And I used this example throughout the week on all of our different ESPN Wisconsin shows, but it bears repeating that Lovey Smith, And the Chicago Bears came into Lambeau Field on the last day of 2010. And Lovey Smith, who, by the way, look at the record Lovey Smith had in Chicago and then look at all the other coaches they've had. Uh, He kind of knew what he was doing 
he said, look, we're playing all our guys. They had nothing to play for that day. They couldn't change their spot in the playoff uh, seedings, and yet they played all their guys the entire game try and beat the Packers and keep them out of the playoffs. And they failed, mm-hmm. but they tried. And, of course, what happened in the NFC Championship game, the Packers came into Soldier Field, the team they didn't want in the playoffs, the team that had to win three road games in a row to get to the Super Bowl and beat them and went to the Super Bowl. So, Jason, those points are super well taken, and I agree with you. That was that was the side of the argument I took with Kyle. And well, I guess not an argument, but um, – you talk about Minnesota's motivation. <laughs> heated, to heated just... discussion. <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll phrase it that way. Um, you talk about Minnesota's motivation to just put it to bed today, right? Um, we started the show talking about Jair Alexander's comments on Thursday, directed toward Justin Jefferson, or at least about Justin Jefferson, calling that week one performance, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, a fluke. Why? Why poke the bear? Why give the best receiver in the NFL, even more motivation in a game that you just said they're immensely motivated for anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, he was, you know, he's he's got bravado. He's got confidence. Uh, he's got five interceptions now this season. Um, he's feeling good. And, I, look, again, I would agree with you. Like, why stoke the fire any more than you need to, but he, I don't know if he couldn't help himself. And he was, look, he was fine until that sentence. He knew he was saying what he was saying, but before Mm -hmm. that, he had said, you know, that, that Justin Jefferson's in his top three and that he's behind his old teammate, Devontae Adams. But he, all he, he praised him, talked about what all the good things he does and everything else. And then, he just had to include that, and it was interesting. You know, Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com, uh, Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, Bill Huber from Sports Illustrated, and I, we kind of talked about it after we walked away from the table where he was talking, and, you know, part of me was like, you know, it's one sentence out of a seven-minute conversation, but it's also not my job to decide, well, he didn't really mean that. So we all kind of decide, look, we have to, included in our stories and i thought frankly that we all kind of took an approach of you know well let's not let's not just make the first sentence jair alexander thinks justin jefferson's first performance was a fluke but sure. we all included the quote and of course it took its natural course and and everybody kind of knows where it's gone from there yeah absolutely jason wilde with us here on sunday karma across espn wisconsin brian d and for craig karmazin live from the tundra trio in green bay as your cousins sub of the day jason the other thing i'm fascinated to watch inside lambo today during the game is the ego not of jair alexander but of the minnesota vikings in their play calling because in the past I feel like they've been a run-to-set-up-the-pass kind of team, and it seems to me that's flip-flop this year, where they're trying to pass, they're trying to air it out, they're trying to play 2023 NFL football, and they have the personnel to do that, but it seems to me like the door is open against the Packers to just turn the ball around and hand it to Dalvin Cook and let him eat. Do you think they'll be able to put their ego aside, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and just run the damn ball today, or do you think they're going to try to stick to their guns and air it out? Well, I I think it's important to note that the Packers' defense is statistically misleading, right? Like, I understand that 
they had interceptions on each of Tua's last three drives last week. And then what did we learn? Obviously, we learned that he had suffered some sort of concussion. Whether or not that was affecting his play then or the symptoms came back came in later and it didn't really impact how he played, um, he did not play well. A couple of those interceptions he threw right to guys, right? So I understand that they came up with the plays that they needed to come up with in that game. But there's this weird thing about their statistics. So in the passing, in passing uh, yardage per game, they're third fewest in the league at 192.4 per game. And that would lead you to think, oh, they're, they're, they're good. They're good against the pass. Per play, and this would indicate that they've given up, A, a lot of big plays, and B, that when you run the ball effectively, like teams have against the 27th-29th-ranked run defense, that you don't throw as frequently. Um, they're 27th in passing yards allowed per play. So they're not really that good of a pass defense. And so to me, when I look at what, the, what Kevin O'Connell's game plan should be today, I think it should be balanced. I mean, you've got Justin Jefferson. You've got uh, TJ Hawkinson now as part of your mix, right? I mean, I think you want to be balanced. And while we tease Matt LaFleur for so frequently getting out of balance, um, I'm not sure that the Vikings need to lean one way or the other. It's also, I don't know, 36 degrees here. You're over on the other side of town. Like, the the, the temperatures are not such – and the wind is not such that you would think you can't throw the football today. So mm-hmm. I would anticipate a pretty balanced attack from the Vikings. And again, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins defender by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, they are they are pretty good as a passing offense and he has played quite well this season. And they're not playing at night, so he should play well today. The noon kickoff and the 325 are always favors Kirk over the primetime game. Jason, a couple of Packers players with questionables next to their names on this week's injury report. I want to ask you about a couple of those guys coming up on the other side. This is Sunday Karma across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Brian Dean for Craig Karmazin as your cousin sub of the day here on Sunday. Karma live from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay. Rolling on with Jason Wildey. Jason, a couple of impactful players on the injury report for the Packers this week. I think most notably is Christian Watson. He left last weekend's game uh, on Christmas, I think at like halftime. I don't know if he played in the second half at all with a hip injury. When did that happen? How did that happen? All I really saw about it was him kind of, you know, I, I read his lips on the sideline on the TV broadcast. Somebody seemed to ask him like, hey, are you okay? And he said, no, nah, I'm done. Um, what's your insight into what happened with his hip? Yeah, he took a pretty hard hit. There was a fourth down catch that he had. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. Um, and, yeah, you, you read his lips correctly. He didn't think he could continue. Now, 
he didn't really do anything meaningful in practice all week. Uh, they listed him as limited uh, on Friday, but he didn't really do much. Um, and they said they're basically going to give him until kickoff or until the 90 minutes before kickoff when their uh, inactive list has to be in. But, I mean, they were propping him up, talking about how smart he is, which I don't doubt that. But he's still a rookie, and we saw him struggle, and we've seen rookies struggle when they have full weeks of practice. And now he's not going to practice at all this week, and yet they're hopeful that he can play, and he's going to be on the same page with the sometimes demanding quarterback. So I'm I'm interested to see how that goes if, in fact, he's cleared. And, and again, you know, he has been such a difference maker for their offense. Like, it is just a completely different dynamic when he's on the field. But if he's not 100%, I'm not sure what percentage he has to be for it to be worth it, but uh, that will be what we'll be watching during Green Bay game day pregame uh, at about 155 when that injury, uh, when that inactive list will come out. Jason, what about Aaron Jones? It feels like early in the season we were asking the question, where is Aaron Jones and why isn't he touching the ball more for like football reasons? And now we're starting to realize his, his ankles may be a little bit more banged up than we realized. Uh, what's the extent of the pain he's been playing through with that ankle injury? Because it seems like it's been less of him and more of A.J. Dillon of late. Yeah, I think uh, that criticism early in the season was fair. Uh, sure. I think Matt LaFleur would even acknowledge that it was fair. But I saw folks getting frustrated uh, on social media last week. You know, Aaron Jones has six touches. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that now. And that obviously is not because play caller Matt LaFleur has forgotten that he has Aaron Jones. It's been – it's a legitimate issue. Uh, they are trying to find ways to get him on the field in crucial moments while not having him on the field constantly in hopes of getting the best from him. And, and of course, that's a really tough balancing act. It was one of the things we talked about with the coaches throughout the week because you never know what play is going to be the play that he breaks a big play on. And so you want him out there a lot more. And, you know, they're, they're trying to get him through these two weeks and get the best of him while not overusing him and, and, you know, yesterday they called up Tyler Goodson, their practice squad uh, number four running back. They've already got their number three running back and Patrick Taylor up on the 53. So they clearly feel like they have to manage this uh, for these last two games. So, I, look, Aaron Jones, I respect the heck out of him. You know, I think there's there's probably some Packers fans who are looking at what he's doing and then looking at the uncertainty of Christian Watson playing and wondering what the what the dis- discrepancy is there but um that he will play today they took him off the injury report but that does not mean he's uh he's healthy because he definitely is not what about Keyshawn Nixon Jason I've facetiously said I'm ready to put him in the Packers Hall of Fame because he's just doing something that no Packers done in what feels like forever and that's actually being productive in the return game how's he feeling going into this game yeah, that is another major concern. I mean, maybe we don't put it quite as high as the availability of Christian Watson because obviously the kick returner only touches the ball a handful of times uh, in the game. But Keyshawn Nixon is also their nickel corner, so he comes in as their fifth defensive back. 
Um, you know, he the, the issue with him, and I would think a concern with him would be he went into the Miami game on the injury report during the week with a groin injury and then came out of the game because of a groin injury. So it was obviously an aggravation of a previous injury. And that, to me, is always concerning because then is it really going to have healed after you re-injured it during the course of the game and couldn't keep playing? Um, uh, you know, he is explosive. Uh, I mean, he's got four kickoff returns of over 50 yards, most in the league. He had a 93-yarder last week. Um, that was not – I mean, it would have been – if you're a Packers fan, it would have been nice for him to get to the end zone. They haven't had a touchdown kickoff return since Randall Cobb was a rookie in 2011, and now he's possibly going to retire after the season. So that tells you how long it's been. Um, but, again, like – it seems to me to be a game where you want to have all hands on deck, no doubt about it. And I'm sure Keyshawn Nixon is going to lobby to play. My question would be, is he quite as, as explosive under those circumstances where he can't open it up like he would if he was fully healthy? All right, last thing for you, Jason. And Jason Wilde joins us here live on Sunday. Karma from the Tundra Trio in Green Bay. What do you think is the likelier outcome that Packers fans should be rooting for the last two weeks of the season? Obviously, everybody's going to be pulling for the Packers to win, but is it the Commanders losing one or the Giants losing two? The Commanders and the Giants both playing at noon today, Washington hosting the Browns and the Giants hosting the Colts. Yeah, I think you're going to be hoping that Mike McCarthy uh, plays all of his guys in Week 18 because they play the Commanders. And I don't think the Giants are going to lose to the fighting Jeff Saturdays today. And I don't think uh, the Commanders are going to lose to that Browns team. And so then we go into next week in a scenario where they're going to still need help. Now, what would be interesting would be if the Packers won and the Commanders lost today, because then I think, and people who have been using the uh, playoff predictor more than I have, Ben, can correct me on this, but... If Detroit also wins today, I think that would set up Packers versus Lions with the winner going to the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. like a de facto playoff game next week, which that's what I'm rooting for. I think that would be fun. Uh, But again, uh, we'll have to wait and see what the – I just don't – I'll be surprised if the commanders lose this one. And then, you know, if you're Mike McCarthy, you know, you guys will take this conversation full circle – if you're Mike McCarthy, do you play all your guys to win that game, even if you don't have anything technically to play for in your own playoff positioning? Or do you say, you know what, we don't play our guys. Washington beats us. doesn't affect our playoff status at all, but it keeps the Packers out of the playoffs. Yeah, um, That would be interesting, especially for the old ball coach who, while he says he's on good terms with the quarterback, probably still isn't on the greatest of terms with the guy who fired him, the team president. Yeah, and uh, especially the way that first game between those two teams went, I still think there's some uh, hesitation about how that result would go if they had to meet in the postseason. The one thing, Jason, I'm rooting for is just let's let's get to next week with the hopes alive because then the NFL is going to schedule these games together and it's just going to be mass scoreboard watching for four hours. It's going to be epic regardless of how it turns out. Yeah, I... uh... I'm rooting for it to be a primetime game so it doesn't impact any sort of uh, sixth-grade basketball or anything like that. That's really all I'm rooting for. 
Media starts with me. Jason, thank you so much for the time. We'll see you over here at the Trio in a couple hours. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Take care. Be good. That is Jason Wildey, our Packers reporter. You know where to find him. He's everywhere. Wildey and Taos, Green Bay Game Day pre and post every ESPN Wisconsin show. He's coming up on Green Bay Game Day pregame a little after 12 o'clock. 7 at 11, and the start of Hour 2 of Sunday Karma is next across ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.